0: Uh, let me before I kind of get into the scripture and the sermon today. I want to remind you again. I know Scott already made this announcement, but some of you weren't in here. Um, let me encourage you again about our annual meeting coming up next Sunday from five to seven. Um, we would love to have you there. This is going to be a good time for us to eat together and fellowship together. But then also a time for us to kind of come in and just hear about what God is doing. We have a couple business things that we need to do, which will be fine. But primarily, we're going to be spending the time kind of um, hearing about uh, just a few areas where God is at work at ZPC and where we feel like God's continuing to lead us uh, into the future. And so I hope and pray that you will be with us. Um, There is a table right out there in the middle of the gathering space, so I invite you to go there and to sign up for that so that we'll know um, that you are coming. Uh, We are continuing in our look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're nearing kind of the halfway point, and today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18, and so I invite you uh, to hear these words as Jesus continues to preach. He says, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be praised by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your alms may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we come to you on this beautiful winter morning. A time, Lord, when we are reminded, much of us, of love, of those we love, and of the fact that we are loved. We give you praise for that. Lord, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we talk about a Passage that is perhaps the best known, if not one of the best known, in all of Scripture. That Perhaps you would illumine our hearts, our minds, our eyes, and our ears to something different, to something new. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So uh, if you were here on Christmas Eve, um, I shared the fact that oftentimes when you uh, come into a new family, when you gain in-laws, that you are oftentimes um, taught new things. That You you begin to see that things can be done in a different way than what you uh, ever realized they could be done. Um, For instance, it was just two or three Christmases, I think, into it um, when I was with my in-laws that I discovered that you could actually have Christmas dinner without mashed potatoes and gravy. Now, I'm not entirely sure why you would want to do that, but I did discover that you actually could do that. And sure enough, you know, there's nothing in scripture that says that you have to have mashed potatoes and gravy when you're celebrating the birth of Jesus. I think it may help, but it's nothing in there that says you have to, right? And so sure enough, my in-laws showed me that you could actually have a Christmas without mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, Something else that my mother-in-law has taught me is that you don't always have to read books from the beginning through till the end. In fact, what my mother-in-law does, I may have shared this before, she, she likes to start at the very end. She likes to go back to the last page or the last couple pages so she can kind of know what's happening. And then she'll go back to the front and start reading through and figure out exactly how it is that we got to where the end will take us right? That seems it's, it's different, but there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing right or wrong about that, right? And I was thinking about that this week because oftentimes uh, there are preachers who like to kind of tell you exactly what they're going to say, and then they kind of show you how they got there. And that's that, that's fine, um, but but I've never really enjoyed kind of telling people where it is that I'm going to go. I, I feel like that kind of in some way, for me, it takes the fun out of it. I like to leave the main point at the end, if I include it at all, quite frankly, and just to kind of you know give you something to look forward to really throughout one way or the other. And I, I bring that up this week because I'm going to do it a little differently this time. I decided, um, usually I, I give out things towards the end, I decided if you have a bulletin here, hopefully you got this, does everyone have their card? I decided to, to give this card out early, right? This is the card of the Lord's Prayer, which already tells you more than what I want to tell you, which is that we're going to use this today. And hopefully in the season to come. I don't want to tell you too much about that just yet. But I I want you to know if you have this, you can get it out and you can hold on to it. And we'll get back to it here. But before we do that, I want to wish you again a happy Lent. Uh, Lent is a season, much like Advent, um, in which I was growing up, we never really celebrated Lent. Lent was for Roman Catholics, and we weren't Roman Catholics, so we didn't didn't do it, right? And so Lent traditionally, many, many years ago, thousands of years ago now, was was the season when those who were going to be baptized on Easter Sunday, they would begin for 40 days to kind of learn more about the Christian faith. And then they would finally, on Easter Sunday, um, they would be baptized. And over the years, um, it's kind of fluctuated exactly the meaning of Lent. It's meant very many different things for different people. For some, it's a a time of anticipation of of what's going to come in the future, of of, of anticipation of Jesus's death and resurrection. Uh, For others, it's simply a time of reflection, a time to just kind of be still and and ask ourselves, uh, where are we in our own spiritual journey? Where are we in our own life with God and with others? And I love, I said this at the, uh, when, uh, our Ash Wednesday services. I, I love things like the seasons. I love the season of Lent. I love spiritual practices because, as I call them, they are the speed bumps um, in our journeys, right? If left to our own devices, we will just click off day after day after day after day. But spiritual exercises and seasons like Lent or Advent kind of slow us down just a bit. So that we can really kind of spend some time reflecting and asking some important questions about where we are in life. One of the spiritual practices that oftentimes comes with Lent, as I'm sure you all know, is is, is, is abstaining. Oftentimes it was you would abstain from meat, you would fast from eating meat, and uh, w- which is fine. But over the last, I would say, couple decades, especially, uh, Protestants have begun um, to use more of these kind of spiritual practices. And as Protestants are apt to do, we've kind of you know put our own little um, tweak to it, if you will. And so now, you know, people are fasting um, lots lots. of different things, right? Some are fasting food, but some are fasting sugar. Um, uh, Some are fasting television. Some fast being on social media. Some fast from working. That's what I'm trying to do primarily. And so we, we fast from lots of different things, right, which I love. Now, it's not magic, right? Sometimes those things can be looked at as magic. It's not magic, but it is, again, it's something that simply slows us down throughout the week. And one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit is that it is absolutely critical in our own spiritual journeys that we think about Jesus more than just one hour on Sunday mornings, right? Because otherwise it will not shape or change you at all, right? If that weren't the case then you could go to LA Fitness for one hour a week and all of a sudden, right, your whole body would be changed by just doing that. How awesome would that be, right? But it doesn't work with our bodies, our physical bodies, and it doesn't work like that with our spiritual bodies either. right? There are times when somebody will come to me, uh, uh, sometime during the weekend, they'll be like, hey, you know what, I have a question about something that you preached last Sunday. And I genuinely will oftentimes have to say, oh man, what did I talk about, right? And I know That if I sat there and worked all week on the sermon, and three or four days later, I can hardly recall what it is I talked about. I can only imagine that most of you can also probably hardly recall, right? I don't take it, I just take it a little bit personally, but not that personally, right? I get it. And so then the question is, what are those things that we can do in order to help us throughout the week to remember? And we've done this already in the last couple of years. We've done several things. We, when we talked about the story of creation, we gave each of you a piece of clay so that you could take it home and put it someplace where you would remember it throughout the time that we were going over that series, that you could remember that you had been created by God, right? That you were this wonderful creation of God because we knew how easy it is for us to forget that. When we talked about David and Goliath, we gave you a stone, Right? And, and and we asked you to write down something, something very ordinary about yourself. But what we wanted you to remember is that if God could use an ordinary stone to slay Goliath, then God could use those parts of you that you think are very ordinary in order to do remarkable things. And so we had you take home the stone. We, we asked a, a few days before Christmas that you would um, set your alarm. I asked you to set your alarm either for 9.58 uh, um, if you were at the 9 o'clock service or for 11.28 if you were at the 10.30 service so that that alarm would go off and you would remember all week and ask yourself, okay, amongst all the busyness of Christmas, am I reflecting on Jesus, right? We did all those things as a way of helping you hopefully throughout the week to remember, right? And this isn't just something we've made up. God, you Uses this all the time. In Scripture, throughout Scripture, we see things like this, right? I mean, what about the rainbow, right? One of the first stories we ever teach our children, the rainbow. God said the rainbow is there. Every time you see that rainbow, remember the covenant that I have made with you. Right? In Joshua, he uses stones. He says, Take those stones out of the Jordan River, collect them, put them up like an altar. So whenever you see them, or your children, or your children's children see them, they will ask a question Why are those stones there? Why is that altar there? So that you can remind them of how God has been there for you. Right? Throughout Scripture, again and again, there are all these reminders because God knows how easily we forget. And so the reason why I'm talking about all those things is because this week I want, or this week, not this week, this Lenten season, I want this to be a reminder for you. And what I want you to do is I'm going to want you to take this. It's fairly heavy duty. And I'm going to want you to put it someplace. I don't care where, as long as it's a place where you will see it. Someplace every day It could be your bathroom mirror. It could be um, at your car. It could be in, your, in a drawer in your office, one that you actually open. Um, it could be in lots of different places, maybe on your dining room table. I don't care where it is, but I want it to be someplace where you can have it. But here's the thing. I don't want you to think about all of it because it's too much. I want you to think about a particular part of it. And so what I've done and what I want us to do today is that we're going to look over eight I've broken this up into kind of eight little places. And I want you to think as we go through this, which of those eight places do I most want to reflect on during this Lenten season? You've got six weeks from today until Easter. And I'm going to want you to circle it. But don't circle it too soon because you may come to a place where you say, well, no, no, no. wait, 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 That's, that's really what I need to focus on. So just be patient. But I want you to be thinking about that. During the sermon, right? And the reason why I think it's so important for us to focus on this is because it is at the very central, literally and figuratively, of the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's right there, smack in the middle. And as someone has suggested, it is, this prayer is what generates our ability to be able to actually engage in what Jesus is asking us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's quickly go through this. All right, our Father. This is the very first part of this prayer. So the our Father, right, this is the part that, again, because this is the difficulty with the Lord's Prayer, is that we say it with such frequency that we kind of forget what it means. It doesn't really engage us, right? But that word of Father, again, is this incredibly intimate word, Right, Jesus would oftentimes in the future when he talks about um, God, he would call him Abba, Father, or Daddy. Right, and again, it's easy for us to kind of forget the significance of the fact that that, that really, with great frequency, many when they think about God, think of some kind of distant, um, non-kind of loving, or just kind of uh, um, dictator, if you will, or tyrant, or just somebody up there who doesn't care that much. But what Jesus begins to say is, he says, "Our Father." And one of the places where this is significantly interesting is when you look at it it, it, with what comes right before and what comes right after the Lord's Prayer. We don't usually look at those parts. We don't usually look at all this together. And what Jesus is talking about right before the Lord's Prayer is he's talking about things like giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. And, And what he talks about is he says, don't do it in public. Don't do it so that other people will see you. And we usually focus on that part of it, right? We say, okay, i got to start trying to be more humble, not doing these things. But, but what he also says is, don't worry, God sees you. In other words, God is noticing what you do. In other words, God is watching you like a father. There's a part of us, to be sure, that it is sinful in some ways for us to want people to see the good things that we're doing, but it is also, as Dale Bruner points out, very much a part of who we are—to want to be noticed by God, to want to be noticed by our Father in Heaven. This is one of the easiest examples I've been able to kind of come up with ever preaching because just this week, of course, at least three different times. My girls have wanted me to notice them, right? If you have a child, you know this, right? Continually, daddy, 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 watch me run, watch me run. And wasn't that fast? Yeah, a little bit fast, not that fast, right? But you don't don't say that, of course, but you know. Yeah, that was great, sweetheart. Wow, right? Daddy, daddy, watch me, watch me jump, watch me jump. Daddy, daddy, you didn't watch me. You didn't watch me. You looked away. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm watching, I'm watching, Right? Daddy, Daddy can, you, Daddy, can you watch me dance? Can you see me dance? Daddy, do you think I'm a good dancer? Right? There's this innate desire for us to be seen by our fathers. And what Jesus is pointing out here, it seems to me, is be assured that God, your Father, who is a father to you, he sees what you're doing. You are important to him. He loves you. And it may be that during this Lenten season that one of the things that you're wrestling with right now is whether or not God notices you, whether or not God sees what you're doing, whether or not you matter to God. And if that's the case, then let me encourage you perhaps at the end here of the sermon to say, you know what, I'm going to circle our Father because I need to be reminded that God does notice me, that I do matter to God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now right here, again, right, as we've talked about before, this is the contrast. You have the intimacy of God as a father. But then here, there's that sense of who art in heaven. In other words, um, this is God is God. This is the reminder, right, that God is God and that we are not. Not. Right? We talk about this with some frequency because we easily forget. In fact, I want you to look at the person who's next to you and I want you to remind them that they are not God. Right? Some of you, this is not the first time you've said this to the person who's next to you. Now, again, usually when we think about that, we think of someone who's like controlling or who thinks, you know, who's, who's maybe a megalomaniac, right? And they, they feel like they have to be a god of some sort or they act as if they are. And surely there are some of those cases. But more often than not, where I have seen this in others and quite frankly in my own life is when it comes to anxiety, when it comes to worry. You see, frequently when there are things that we are worried about, we, we try to we, we think if we worry about it, whatever it is, health or, or 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 a job or whatever, if we worry about it enough, it gives us this kind of false sense of control, right? As if we are control in control as if we are God. And one of the things that this prayer does is it reminds us, oh wait, we aren't God. That ultimately God is there saying, "Hey, I <laughs> I'm I'm God." I'm in control here. And so perhaps this is a period for you, right? I mean, I know stock market's going up and down. I know there are some people who's, who get nervous about that with their own jobs as well. I know there are lots of things, and I don't know what's going on in your life in particular. But perhaps if this is a season for you where you know there's some real anxiety and you, needed to be remind, you need to be reminded that you are not God, that God is there and that he is in control, then perhaps this would be a good thing for you to circle. Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name as a way every day of remembering during the season of Lent who God is and who you are not. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this should fairly kind of roll off your tongue or at least into your ear because we've been talking a lot about kingdom stuff during the Sermon on the Mount because it is a prevailing theme. One of the things that N.T. Wright says as he looks at this particular part of the Lord's prayers, when you're praying this, what you are saying is that you are willing to be a kingdom bearer. In other words, that you are willing to actually engage in this mission of helping God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as you know, if you've been here during these last few weeks, this is not easy, what Jesus is asking us to do, to not be resentful, right? To love our enemies, all these things, right? They're not simple to do. And so perhaps, right, as we think about this, the question that we might ask ourselves is, are we actually willing to engage in that? Everyone says, oh, that's a great idea. That's wonderful. But the real question is, are we willing to actually engage in these things? Are you willing and do you even have a desire? Sometimes we always put on a little church happy face, right, that says, oh, yeah, we really want, we really want this. But we're not actually perhaps willing to really do it. And so perhaps one of the things that you can do during the season of Lent is say, God, you know what? Not only do I really, Not only do I not know if I can do this, I'm not even sure I want to do this. And maybe it should be simply a time for you to say, Lord, open up my eyes. Give me a desire. Help me to see how I can actually help bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This, of course, is about a dependency on God. This is asking whether or not you are dependent on God, whether you are, are understanding just how each and every day we are dependent on God. And I love the way it says, give us this day. There is a sense of urgency. Like every day when we wake up, we should be asking ourselves, do we realize today just how much we are dependent upon God? In many ways, it's a question as to whether or not we take for granted everything that we have. Martin Luther says that when he says the bread, what he's really saying is all the necessities bread, food, shelter, family, a good health, a good government, peace, all of those things. And so the question very well could be for us do you take those things for granted? And perhaps what you need to do during the season of Lent is to simply say, hey, God, help me to not take these things for granted. And perhaps even more, help me to remember that there are those in our community and in our world who do not have these things each day. And how might we begin to pray for them? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oftentimes, in Jesus' time, the way that they would look at sins would be much like a financial ledger. And you would just kind of, every sin that you made, you knew that there was a debt. And you'd have to figure out exactly how it is that you could repay that debt. And Jesus here is beginning to kind of say, no, this is, this is forgiveness. Simply ask for forgiveness. This is kind of a glimpse of God's grace But then what I love about this, of course, is that he then says, and just as you are being forgiven, so too should you begin to forgive others. One of the things I love about going through the Sermon on the Mount or going through a series like this is you begin to see things you may not have otherwise seen. And One of the key themes that I've kind of discovered together, I I hope that we have, is how forgiveness kind of runs throughout. Anger, resentment. You can't get rid of resentment if you aren't willing to forgive. Marriages, divorce. You show me someone who tells me that they have a good marriage and they aren't good at forgiving, and I will show you a liar. You will not have a good marriage if you are not willing to forgive. How about loving your enemies? It's impossible to love your enemies without being willing to forgive them. And so as we've been going through that this week, or this, this month, my hope and prayer is that if there's somebody perhaps in your life that you know, that you keep seeing, and that you keep realizing, I need to try to forgive that person. I need to. I'm continuing to be angry with that person. Whatever it might be, that perhaps over these next six weeks, every day you can pray for that person. Now, look, I'm not trying to tell you that if you do that, all of a sudden come Easter Sunday, you know, everything's going to be great and you're going to completely have forgiven him or her. But I do think that you will at least be able to take a step towards forgiveness if every day you are willing to pray for that person. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You could go a lot of places with this. But let me suggest that what stood out to me, at least this week, is that word us. In other words, this is about community. One of the things that we at ZPC certainly have experienced, but as have many churches, is how many evil things there are around that can divide a church. Some of those things are outside the community of faith. Some of those things are within the community of faith. Some of those evils are even within us, if we're honest. And so perhaps what, you, what may be on your heart during this Lenten season is simply to pray for ZPC. To pray for the pastors, for the staff, for the elders, for the deacons, for all of us. To pray for wisdom and for guidance that we would be protected. We would covet your prayers, quite honestly, to continue to pray for us as we try to understand more and more where Christ has called us to be and how we can be kingdom bearers in this world world which then brings us to the conclusion for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen now if you were really paying attention you would have noticed that when we read this in scripture that part was not in what i read And there's reasons for that. It's in particular versions and not in particular versions. And it comes about because of a debate as to whether or not Jesus actually said this or whether or not the early church kind of put this on as a good doxology, a good ending. And I'm not going to get into that um, debate right now. If you're interested in that debate, uh, it's something that Scott loves to talk about. So I would encourage you to do that. Um, No? Okay. Happy Valentine's Day, Scott. So, but... Basically, what this is, it's giving celebration for who God is. Right? That that, that this is God's world. And this is for God's glory. And so perhaps you're at a place right now where you are feeling blessed by God. And maybe what you want to do during these next six weeks is simply every day to remember that and to celebrate. To celebrate how you've seen God at work in your life. To celebrate just how incredible God is is. And so I'd encourage you to circle that. Now look, I don't know which one of these you need to do. You've got to figure this out on your own. But perhaps, again, this is the end, so I want you to think about this. If you have a pencil or a pen, I want you to really start thinking about which of these do you want to circle. Is it a need for you? Do you have a need to really kind of believe even more strongly that God really loves you, that he sees you? Do you need to be reminded? Are you in a time of anxiety that God is God and that you are not and that God is in control? Do you really need to wrestle with whether or not you are willing to really engage in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? Do you too easily take what you have for granted? You need to reflect on that in these six weeks. Or maybe what you need to do is you need to really ask, are you willing to forgive this person? And spend your time praying for them. Perhaps you could simply pray for ZPC. For guidance and for protection. Or maybe you just need a time of worship. I don't know what it is. But my hope and my prayer is that you will think about that. And that you will circle that. And that you will put it someplace where you need it. And I want to reiterate the fact that this isn't just something to do. I was reminded of that a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I got an email, and in the subject line, it said "9:58 Journal." And, and what it was 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 a woman, a ZPCer, who had who had who had begun this practice of of what we had said back at Christmas time was which was at 9:58, set the alarm, and she said, "You know, I've never been that great at praying outside of church, but." But I decided to set the alarm, and she said at that point, this was a couple weeks ago, she continued to do it. And every day at 9.58, she was, she was thinking, and she was reflecting, and she was reminded when that alarm went off of God and thinking about that. And it was remarkable. As I kind of read through, there was kind of a, a little bit of a journal, just kind of an excerpt of some things that she'd begun to see about, about changes or things that had been happening in her family or in her, her, in her personal life or at the workplace or with friends, and it was, it was incredible to just kind of read through this kind of time of reflection that had happened because at 9.58 every day she had stopped. She put that speed bump in her life in order to reflect outside of church, outside of 47.75 West 116th. And because of that, she'd been able to see how God had been at work. And so I want to ask you, I encourage you to take this and to, to, to circle it. And every day during these next six weeks, to reflect on whatever area that is, and to just imagine that if every single one of us did that, my guess is we would cover the whole Lord's Prayer. And how might we, by the end of these six weeks, how might we come Easter time as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? Might we not look just a bit more like the kingdom of God? That's my hope and my prayer in this Lenten season. Amen.